0: To a welcome to thrill a
1: Bitcoin. So macro. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. I I guess like technically it's a thing. I don't know, man. I just kinda yeah. I I, I guess I kinda got into it just because uh it seemed like kind of a hot button topic lately with uh, you know, the massive amounts of money printing and the the crazy monetary policy we've uh, we've seen these past couple of years. So yeah. I mean, I guess sort of a thing.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I was reading your uh, green candle. for people that don't know, Brandon uh, does the excellent uh, newsletter called green candle investments dot Definitely check it out. Uh, you released your 2023 macro predictions, but Brandon, like um, for the average club out there, that's listening, you know, they're, we're not, we're not really paying attention to this kind of stuff. Like what, what do you, what do you think's going on with the fed and all that kind of stuff?
1: yeah man i know so like it's interesting because you know you bring up like what is macro right and it's like the average pleb doesn't like maybe not pay attention to it the average pleb should be aware of it i guess is what maybe maybe not fully dive into it and, and kind of go on that because obviously you know bitcoin's got the fundamentals and everything but i think you know the saying that goes around twitter and everything you know fix the money fix the world right so you you kind of have to understand now, like what the current issues with the monetary policy are, to or in, in order to understand Bitcoin, um, or at least you know why Bitcoin could potentially fix some of those issues that that are, uh, are that are out there. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of like cogs into it, and one of the big issues right now is that you know we have the Fed, the Federal Reserve the entire globe's on the the U.S. dollar monetary policy. Obviously, the U.S. dollar is a global reserve currency. Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, essentially has all the power in the world, right? So he, the, the entire stock market, housing market, you know, everything has become so volatile that he can just go into any one of these Fed's meetings and just throw out a little hint that he's maybe going to Slow down, raising interest rates, or he's going to speed it up, or whatever, and the market swings in one direction or the other. Wow! And this is a guy who's who's an une- unelected official. Um, so I mean, put politics aside. He was put in office by Trump, and now he's you know here through Biden as well. So I mean, he's been on both parties, and you know, it's essentially something where he's supposed to be an unbiased member of uh, the government, but it seems like. You know at this point it, it's kind of hard to to separate both politics and and this monetary policy especially with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years. So um, you know I, I think the average pleb maybe shouldn't pay attention to it to I guess to try to time the market I guess if that makes sense. So it's like you know I, I always tell people when they try to get into Bitcoin, you know, the easiest way is to DCA and chill. Just you know buy a little bit for, for whatever you can sustain every single day so you're not trying to time it but you know a lot of these macro events affect the overall market which affect you know the the price to uh the the us dollar exchange rate for bitcoin which in turn kind of affects bitcoin businesses or businesses that are related to bitcoin so you know as much as we some people kind of want to avoid it it's all kind of interconnected in some way shape or form um, but you know, I, I'm a Bitcoiner through and through. So I do think that, you know, eventually taking the power away from the people and kind of leaving it, you know, a free and open market will kind of be, a, you know, the way to go in the future. But as, as it stands right now, there's, uh, there's people kind of pulling the cogs and, uh, you know, pulling some strings right now in the overall macro environment.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned Jerome Powell. I, I think he's an interesting fellow, right? Cause didn't he come from... Was it, I, I want to know. say he's
1: like a lawyer or something. Like he's not really, uh, he, he's not like a lifelong politician or a lifelong, you know, person that's kind of been in this industry, like a lot of politicians, for example, or maybe, you know, some other people or, um, you know, some academics or anything like he's kind of had his time, um, you know, working in the real world and kind of seeing how real world things work, uh, which, you know, I think that experience is, is pretty valuable, you know, Jerome Powell, he has his critics, right? And I mean, everybody can play Monday morning quarterback, look back at the job he did, maybe he should have started raising rates earlier. So, so for the plebs out there that, that might not know, right? So the Federal Reserve controls interest rates, which is essentially like the amount of money that can be lent out by, I guess, to, to cut it, dumb it down really easily to that central banks can lend it out, right? So um you know, at the end of the day, he, he has the ability to, to raise and lower the, these interest rates. And so the overall economy was, was ripping and roaring through 2020, but it's actually kind of showed a little chinks in the armor come like 2018, 2019 time. So right before, you know, this COVID 2020 boom and Powell tried to raise the interest rates a little bit during that time, but it was met, met with a lot of backlash. And so, you know, once he tried that, he he just lowered them, and they, we had this period of decade where interest rates were essentially at zero, and so COVID obviously broke out, shut down the entire global economy, and uh, the federal interest or the Federal Reserve went through a process called QE, which many you know Bitcoiners know as just printing money, right? We've we've all seen the GIF of uh, Jerome Powell <laughs> just shooting off dollars out of the the money gun and everything like right. that. So, you know, obviously they printed a shit ton of money. Um, and just put it all into the ecosystem. And as the global reserve currency, you know, that that devalued the dollar significantly. And so what interest rates do is it kind of makes that money a little bit harder to come by, right? So if there's a 0% interest rate, essentially, you could just loan it out. And, you know, you get 2% back, you're getting, you know, 2% back better on the money that, that you got before. So you get that money for very cheap, you don't have to pay high interest rates. So, you know, this is where we kind of ran into the environment where a lot of, you know, maybe it's growth companies, whether it's I mean, it kind of helped attribute to the, the crypto boom, I think, in my opinion, where a lot of these companies, like you look at, you know, BlockFi, FTX, some of the ones that recently failed um and blew up instantly, we had companies go from non existent to multi-billion dollar valuations very quickly that's because, you know, they had so such easy access to capital, they had, a, they had a lot of little or they had a low barrier to entry, they had a lot of money that they could just grab on at one point in time. And if you get enough marketing dollars behind something, you know, people are going to kind of jump on board. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what happened, I think, here is like a lot of these industries and a lot of side industries to, to Bitcoin kind of blew up and kind of, you uh, you know, allowed people to create some some companies that were either, you know, fraudulent or just kind of, you know, theoretically, were are making a lot of money or we're going to plan on making a lot of money in the future. They had it all lined out. Then the Fed uh, realized, like, hey, we devalued the dollar significantly by doing all this money printing in 2020. So we need to start raising interest rates and raising interest rates makes money a little bit tighter. So if the company is not really making any money, they don't have the ability to really borrow like they did um, in this decade long uh, of growth. And so, you know, if the company is not making money, they got to they got to figure out how to make some cuts, because, you know, obviously, if they're not making money, they're losing money, the company's bleeding, right? They got to figure out a way how to solve that. And so, you know, what we're kind of seeing right now is that a lot of companies are either going under because, you know, they shot up and they borrowed a lot of money on the backs of nothing like FTX, borrowing a lot of money on the back of their, you know, made up and inflated token, or you're seeing a lot of companies that, you know, just grew and had a lot of fluff. Like a lot of these tech companies, you look at like Google, Facebook, uh, Meta now, Twitter, and a lot of these other companies uh, that that blew up, but now are are cutting significant amount of jobs and uh, maybe doing like share buybacks or other things like that to try to value up their stock price. So um, you know we're, we saw a period of significant growth where everybody and everybody was making money. You could throw money wherever you wanted, stock market, real estate, shit coins, whatever. you're gonna make money somehow some way. and if you're not getting 20, 30 percent returns, you look like an idiot. But, you know in reality that you know seven to ten percent is is pretty good right so um, we're seeing the Fed kind of continue to tighten uh, and uh, yeah that, that's gonna mean more pain for the, the rest of this year unfortunately I mean it's gonna make may, mean that businesses that really don't have a strong backing or aren't really making too much aren't really making any money or maybe don't have a great product it's gonna make them uh make them in a a bit of trouble here for 2023, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I think on the back of that, you know, there is a lot, a lot of companies that come out of a recession that, you know, or uh, an economic downturn, however you want to word it, that um, are really strong and will prosper to come out of it. So um, I think, you know, now is a really important time to just take a, I guess, a look at, you know, not only like, companies balance sheets and and their products and other thing too, but just see how they're run and how efficiently they're run, CapEx expenditures and and all that kind of thing. So I'm throwing around a lot of jargons. So.
0: No, I mean everything, everything that you're like describing right now is literally what I'm hearing from these other Bitcoin companies, right? Because there's there's companies that we know of that have disclosed that they laid off people. Unchained capital is one of them. Uh, I forget who the who the other big company that uh, shared. I'm trying to remember what I can share and can't share. So there's been companies that have shared that they laid off people. Uh, them being one of them, a lot of friends, man, It's it sucks because a lot of them are friends, you know, that don't have jobs right now. Um, there's other companies that haven't disclosed uh, currently right now in the Bitcoin space that they had to lay off people, but it's a significant amount and people would be surprised the name of those. Um, and I, I think, I think you hit it right on the, right on the head at the end where uh, you said, people are going to have to reassess how they're valuing their, uh, you know, their ARR right there. Uh, and then what the burn is, and then being able to, um, optimize for, you know, for just staying alive <laughs> because of what you said, I mean, crypto, it was like the FTX crypto thing really screwed over a lot of people. Uh, it really did. And it, it permeated in the space, like, you know, just like you know, taking investor calls and stuff, you realize how much of a backlash that has gotten to the rest of these companies that are trying to raise right now. It's, uh, it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And I, and I mean, like, obviously what FTX and Sam Bankman free did was extremely fraudulent, but I think it's just kind of a result of the time that we were in. Unfortunately, like like I was saying, I mean, you think that FTX would be able to get that much money that they got for marketing dollars to get people like Tom Brady to jump on board when, if, you know, we were kind of in the bear market that we're in right now. I mean, I I personally don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, we look at either NFL players or other things like that. Now, you know, last year or two years ago, when Bitcoin and, and everything was ripping in the exchange rate, you, you heard about it all in the news, XYZ player and whatever professional league is taking, you know, 90% of their salary or all of their sponsorship monies now in Bitcoin. And have you heard anything about that all of 2022? I mean I personally haven't and I usually just you know th- that's what I do for my my uh, state of Bitcoin show just kind of keep up with the news and everything like that. So you know I, I think like a lot of you know not only people, it was like investors, it was uh, you know angel investors, it was you know banks or whatever companies. all these people were just seeing like hey, this crypto thing, I don't really understand it, but there's got to be something to it so I'm just gonna throw a shit ton of money on it and then figure it out later. Um, when in reality, there really wasn't any basis behind it. So, you know, it's unfortunate that it's kind of leaked over into the into the Bitcoin space, because, you know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, Bitcoin companies out there that are doing great things like Unchained Capital and and some for sure. But, you know, I think just the education standpoint is kind of lacking from, you know, uh, uh, from uh, the Bitcoin and crypto from the average Joe, I would say. And even, you know, the wealthy billionaires or whatever you want to say, these uh, hedge fund accounts or whatever investors that are investing and kind of backing a lot of these companies, you know, even if they're, they have a company that they really, really believe in, they're just going to have a little bit more trouble getting, you know, all this money and helping get funding for, you know, great ideas and, uh, or great companies, you know, even if they're, they're just kind of starting off the ground. So it is a tough time, but I mean, like, like I said, I think, we'll be able to look back at this time in like, you know, five or six years. It's like, hey, you know, XYZ company was able to raise during, you know, twenty twenty three when it was in a bear market, Bitcoin wasn't really ripping, and they were building an outstanding product or service or both. And uh, you know, now they're prospering during the the next bull run. Um, but then that all all leads to to, to management during the bull runs too, because I think a lot of you know, companies didn't really position themselves correctly during that bull run, um, and that's where we're, we're, we kind of see it leak over in the in the Bitcoin mining space too. But with this depressed, you know, Bitcoin price, so you know, I think just like I don't know, I'm kind of going all over the place. But a lot of these industries are are hurting, and it it, it is unfortunate that it's kind of uh, you know related to the Bitcoin price because I think you know so much revolves around that and. I think as as much as the plebs don't want to admit it, you know, there's Bitcoin miners, there's all these other companies that, hey, you get paid in Bitcoin, that's great, right? I mean, you save that 3% fee, but, you know, if the exchange rate falls, you know, and you need to sell for some reason to cover your expenses, it can be tough. You know, I mean, eventually, if you get paid 100% in Bitcoin, you either have to find, you know, uh, somewhere in your supply chain, make sure that they all accept Bitcoin or, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sell the U.S. dollars. And if that doesn't go, you know, as smoothly as it has been in the past or during the bull run, that's going to hurt the bottom line of the company, at least initially.
0: Yeah, I know you hit it again. That's wise, wise words from you, Brandon. There's, there's also like you, you described Meta and some of these other companies like Google and um, laying off people as well. And The the interesting thing with that is like, they call that trimming the fat, right? Like whenever they're describing it, like Elon said, you know, but then you look at Twitter and it it, it completely, is broken. I mean, it's working, but it's like barely working as far as like functionality. And now we're seeing like Nostra kind of take over and fill in a lot of those gaps with like um, just new new ideas around what a social platform could look like. I'm, I'm wondering, I think my biggest wonder is like, do those companies make it out of this kind of like 2023, 2024, the bigger tech conglomerates? Do you think they make it out of this? Or you think, yeah, yeah it's like I'm, business as usual for them?
1: Yeah, like look, I mean, Twitter, I think is gonna be fine at the end of the day. Uh they're I mean they, they got such a big platform. Elon bought it at like an extremely overvalued price, um, which I don't think really helped the bottom line of the business. But I think like what he was trying to do is essentially expose that there's a lot of bots and that there's censorship and other things like that too um, behind it. But, you know, I I think like these big tech guys, they're going to make it out, right? I mean, Google essentially is a verb at this point. Like if you don't know something, somebody will tell you, Google it instead of like, go look it up. So, I mean, like, you know, I think some of these big players are going to to make it out of this initial um, thing, but, you know... If you look back like 20, 30 years some of the biggest companies that were, you know, valued at that time don't even really exist anymore or you don't really hear from them. So I don't think that they're going to go away necessarily, but I don't think that the, I don't think that they're going to be the giants of the next two decades. You know, I think maybe Amazon's positioned well enough with AWS, but there's a lot of competitors now for AWS. So a lot of people are seeing like some of these big tech companies, and they're like saying, like, exactly like you said, like Twitter with Noster, like, hey, we could do something better. Um, so they'll make a competitor to take out one of these main, I guess, niche aspects of the company. And the company's so diversified that, you know, uh, that, that it's not able to sustain that one area of revenue. But, you know, when it comes to a lot of these tech guys, they do have, uh, you know, basically one major source of revenue when it all comes down to it so like google for example is the ads um so most companies are kind of cutting their marketing spend right now and that's one of the big things so google's revenue is going to go down i mean it's just plain and simple same thing with meta um you know facebook took a big big hit when apple made that one disclosure where it's like hey uh, ask, you can allow your app to track, uh, every other thing that you go on, or you can ask it to not track anymore. So how much that really cut off? I don't really know, but, uh, theoretically Apple has all that data now opposed to Facebook. So maybe Apple can undercut Facebook. And then same thing, like you said, with, uh, with Nostr. like, I mean, Twitter is bleeding. Elon's very, very open about, uh, you know, Twitter, not really making money and, there's a lot of companies out there that don't really agree with, you know, what Elon's stance is on free speech or other things like that, too. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's not really working that great. I mean, I I do have some bugs every now and then. I do a lot of Twitter spaces and my phone just gets extremely <laughs> hot while I'm doing the Twitter spaces now, especially the bigger ones are the ones that last like a long time. So uh, I have had some recent issues with that. And it's unfortunate because I think it's a good product. Yeah you know, uh, I mean, obviously that's how a lot of uh, Bitcoiners met and then how a lot of information was passed back and forth. So, um, you know, I think uh, in one way, shape or form, I hope that Twitter makes it, but it is kind of a point now where it's like, well, is one of the bigger social media platforms like globally going to fail? And then if that, if it fails, like what's going to happen to that website or, you know, app or whatever, I, I don't really know the answer to that question. It is it is kind of an interesting uh, little thought experiment. But I do think, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, I I think that they'll make it. But I don't think that, like, you know, come, we'll we'll look back on this, like, 20-ish, maybe 30-ish years from now and be like, wow, Amazon was really that big or Google was really that big compared to, I don't know, XYZ company that's probably not even uh, created just yet.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with everything you said there. I do think, like, the the biggest threat uh, that, that Nostr brings to these other like web, I guess they're like web 2.0 companies are like the metas and the the Twitters. I think those, those people should definitely be afraid of Nostr because like Nostr is just what relays and uh, public and private keys and like stuff like that. So I, to me, it just makes more sense that the, the ad model, the way we're looking at it now is kind of kind of go away and just going to get embedded with like sats of some sort. But I mean, we'll see. I want to switch gears though. Let's, let's talk about the housing market. I mean, a a lot of us clubs probably don't have their own house. Maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, if they save Bitcoin wisely, right. But, um, inside your, inside your macro newsletter, you said that, um, it'll stagnate in most cities because uh, the the price of rent and apartments will increase or just in general. Um, can you just kind of expand on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the way that housing works generally is, you know, there, there's a price in the market and there's buyers and sellers, and whatnot, right? But you have to pay a mortgage 90% of the time. I, I'm sure majority of the plebs, unless you are, you know, uh, very in Bitcoin very, very early, and you want to sell a bunch of Bitcoin, you're not able to buy a, ca- a house all in cash. And so because of that, you know, the housing price may go down or stagnate in cities like, you know, I'm in, I'm in Tampa, Florida. You're in Austin, and uh, you know Club Labs in Austin, and you know Nashville. Maybe some of the bigger, like quote unquote, Bitcoin hubs will be fine because a lot of people moved to these locations, and uh, you know, were uh, because of remote work. You know, they stayed open. They did whatever. You know, they were a little bit more friendly. Uh, they're a little bit more desirable places to live. So those housing prices will kind of stagnate. Although, um, you know, the Federal Reserve's kind of increasing interest rates. I know we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, but as the Federal Reserve increases interest rates, generally speaking, personal mortgage interest rates increase as well. So say you have, I don't know, a $100,000 house um, and, you know, that interest rate during COVID was, you know, two and a half percent. To, to 3% or so. So that's, you know, a pretty, a very low interest rate, right? So you got to just think like, all right, that, I don't know, you borrowed $90,000 or so to purchase that house, and you're paying like two and a half three 3%. So on that interest rate, you don't really need to pay it off that quickly. And your your payments probably relatively low. But, you know, now you think about that, that house probably, you know, doubled in value at the very least, or, or pretty damn close to it, maybe, Maybe went up to one hundred fifty thousand in these past two years because housing just absolutely exploded. Well, not only did that house explode and go up extremely, extremely in value, but now that interest rate is not like it's not two and a half to three percent; it's closer to six or seven percent. Oh wow. So, you know, what, what you're paying on the monthly basis, like if you break down a mortgage, like I, I don't know, full transparency here. I, I own it, this home that I'm sitting in here right now, which I'm very lucky to do. But if you look down at the breakdown, right, I think I pay like close to 2,400 a month, um, total with, I, I mean, I have a duplex and I rent out some of it, so whatever, but just total expense is about 2,400. If you look at the breakdown, the overall, uh, a uh, portion of my payment that goes to principal and interest is about $700 worth of that. So about a third or a little bit less than or a little bit less than a, a, bit, uh, less than a third of that payment, With the rest is taxes, insurance, interest, all that kind of stuff. So very little bit, a very little amount of that payment is going towards, you know, the actual the amount that I borrowed where a lot of it, majority of that payment, I think like, you know, my, my, uh, insurance and taxes are maybe like a hundred to $200 a month or something like that. But majority of that payment is towards that interest. And so as that interest increases, you know, that payment of that, uh, that amount of that payment is going to increase as well. And so, you know, the average person is going to be, Hey, you know, I, I'm looking at a house that's, I don't know, price like I said before, a hundred thousand dollars, so if that payment before, like a couple of years ago was maybe, I don't know, 500 bucks. Well, now that payment is probably closer to a thousand or maybe even a little bit more. And so, you know, the housing, the house prices didn't, maybe didn't change in value, but the payment increased significantly. And because that payment increased significantly, while people are kind of breaking down their expenses and everything like that, they're unable to make that payment on a monthly basis. So what does that mean for people then? You know, Hey, I was going to buy his house. A lot of people that I hear just anecdotally are like, you know what? It's not a great time to buy because the interest rates are so high, right? They think that the the interest rates are going to go back down to the COVID level prices, which to be full of transparent, I don't think that we'll ever see interest rates really that low maybe in our lifetime again. Wow. Really, Brent? It's ripping and rolling. Yeah. I mean, I think like the Fed is going to kind of learn their lesson. They're not going to really keep it at 0% interest rates because of how much things were inflated at one point in time. I think that they're going to try to float it around two to 3%, you know, in the future. But um, which means like mortgage rates will probably be good around four to 5% or so. Um, but, uh, you know, which is a slight difference than that two and a half to three percent, but you know, it, it it is a difference, right? And so because of that, a lot of people that, that were maybe first time home buyers are trying to get into the market for the first time are, are, are planning on waiting this year. And so what does that mean? Hey, my lease is up in February. My lease is up in March. Well, I hear it's a, it's a bad time to buy a house. So I'm going to go rent. Um, you know, I want to be in here a little bit longer. I'll put off buying that house, okay? so i'm uh, I'm putting off buying that house. so um, you know what does that mean? i'm I'm going to go rent. So I'm going to either rent a, an apartment or rent some uh, some nicer home and give myself a little bit more space. And you know that means somebody that generally speaking has probably a good credit score or probably has, you know, a, a a good source of income, or maybe it's a it's a couple who has you know great dual income. Well, we're not prepared to buy just yet. We're going to put it off, so we're going to go to this nicer apartment complex, um, and we're going to be competing for those spots. And you know, some of those desirable cities, or even in less desirable cities, because they're like, hey, we're going to try to time this housing market. We want to buy at a good time, so it's going to be more competition in rental markets, which means rent's going to go up and rent has kind of continued to go up, you know, all around the country, even when housing in certain areas has gone down. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of my uh, long winded answer on the housing market where I think, I think, you know, some of the markets did get overinflated, maybe like in Austin, maybe in Nashville, maybe Miami, maybe even Tampa to a lesser extent. Um, but I think, uh, you know, once they kind of hit, uh, you know, not a quote unquote bottom, but I don't think they're going down too much farther. I think just so many people are flocking to these cities and, you know, not only flock into the cities, but, um, you know, there's going to be more competition in the rental market everywhere. So, uh, on top of all that, it's just going to mean rent is, is going to increase, which is, which is unfortunate for the average person because generally speaking, when rent increases, uh, you have to wait like either a full year or, or something else to, to get that wage increase. So, um, yeah, that's kind of yeah. I guess my long-winded answer on the the view of the housing slash rental market.
0: Yeah, I, I think you hit it again. I think there's there's a lot of people, including myself, that was looking at purchasing a house like in where in 2021, 2022, and then it, it was obvious at that point. Like I remember going to look at like these these houses like up here like by the arboretum here in Austin, and we literally had to be like in a 15 minute interval competing with other outside, you know, people looking as well, like from California. Cause everybody was moving in around 2021 and stuff. And I remember we also were looking at places like outside of, uh, of Austin, like Copper's Cove or Manor. And there was just like a long, a long list, just even like look at the place. And then like when we actually did look at the place, it was like extremely overvalued for what the actual property is. Right. It's no secret that a lot of these, Houses here inside of Austin are just like they look like your average everyday house. You can go on Zillow right now and look at it. It just looks like a regular house. And then you then you're like they're like charging half a million uh for that for that property. It's just like what? It doesn't like my like me, me personally like my uncle, he bought like a lot of house. He bought like two houses on the east side uh in the 90s. And guess how much they cost, Brandon?
1: Probably less than a hundred thousand. There mean, were twenty k
0: a piece. There were twenty k yeah. a piece, and now those same houses are, are going for like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is like yeah. insane. It's insane, like the amount of uh, inflation that we're seeing, and yeah, man,
1: what's going well, I mean, on? It's a problem too because you know not only are we seeing people kind of flock to cities like Austin. I mean, my parents, I they just sent me a text the other day uh like i I think september of uh of this year marks like 25 years or something where my parents uh have lived in austin and of course i lived there you know growing up and everything like that as well um but i mean it's just changed so much but you're seeing a lot of people you know like you said from california or from new york or from some of these other cities just kind of flocking to austin and you got to think about some of these cities right right like san francisco for example right The, the bay area silicon valley a lot of people are moving from there to Austin. Why is that? Well, hey, I bought this shack for, you know, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, maybe even close to a million dollars in San Francisco, you know, during the Silicon Valley boom. All those all that housing got inflated and it's mostly on borrowed money. So then I can sell that house, make I don't know, astronomical amounts of money, make multiple six figures like five, six hundred thousand dollars worth. Ah, uh, just by selling my house and I was just making the steady payments every month. And what do I have now? A shit ton of cash. So what can I do? Just go to Austin or some of these places like, hey, you know i want it, I want a new nicer than the the house I lived in in San Francisco or in New York City. Uh, it's bigger, but hey, like I'm paying three hundred thousand less. Well, what's an extra 50 grand to that person? They just, you know, sold a house and they're making out like a bandit. They're like, all right, fuck it. I'll just throw an extra 50 grand at it. I'll throw an extra 100 grand at it. It doesn't matter. It was all inflated cash and anyway, so it's all like monopoly money to these people, right? So, I mean, that's that's the issue with the the fiat system is that we, we saw all these people just like, hey, I have remote work. I can live wherever the hell I want. I want to get the hell out of New York City. I'm tired of paying all these crazy taxes in California, so I'm going to move to Austin. I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to move to Florida. And what did that do? That just brought an influx of all these people selling their homes in all these locations that just had a shit ton of equity just lined up in it. So what did it do? to The houses and all all these places just jacked it up like crazy because of exactly, like I said, they just had an influx of cash. So, I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to, uh, to buy, you know, in September, 2020, where there was still a little bit of fear of COVID. So I got kind of lucky, but, uh, now like I, I have like a shit ton of just built in equity in the house. Like I put a little money into it, but to be honest, like, I mean, I, I'm got very lucky with it too, just because of like all the inflated prices. And I mean, like you said, like your uncle, right. I mean, look at what he, uh, you know, the average investment. Uh, over that period of time, would not nearly be as great as what it is now. But I mean, now he's gonna—he could sell one or two of those or he one or one both of, them. of those, <laughs> yeah, or just hold on to him forever. And that guy's gonna be like, once he <laughs> re- wants to retire, he'll be sitting pretty, just like you know the Daffy Duck gift, just walking yeah. down counting his cash, man, or uh, stacking extra sats or something with that, you know.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy that the just. The state of the world right now, man. It's it's insane. And 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 then you also outline kind of the stock market. I mean, a lot of a lot of us Bitcoiners or clubs don't really look at the stock market, but you know, you know, maybe we have a job where like it's it's on our 401k and we have no choice, right? To a certain extent. Like, um, what do you see just in that area? Just as far as yes. like where that's going, because that's a whole not I mean, we kind of see like Bitcoin, I don't know, your your opinion is Bitcoin correlated with the stock market at
1: all? So, unfortunately, as, as plebs do not want to admit it, it is kind of correlated with a lot of these growth um, growth in tech stocks, uh, uh, unfortunately. I mean, it is getting a little bit to the point where it's like, hey, you know, Google crashes or something, but Bitcoin's stagnant or Bitcoin's like up a slight percent or something like that. But, you know, if you look at some of these, uh, I guess, like riskier, quote unquote, you know, what what FinTwitter, the uh, you know average financial professional would call risky. Um, Some of these stocks, uh, you know, based on their volatility, Bitcoin is somewhat correlated with it, right? Um, But, you know, the interesting thing about housing is housing is, you know, it's it's usually not super volatile because you can't buy and sell, you know, right away. Like it takes like at a minimum, you know, 30 days to close, generally speaking. I know we saw kind of crazy things going on during COVID-2020, 2021, um, and I think that's kind of slowing down, but the stock market's very liquid. And so you know we we've seen a period of time where we had people kind of fomoing into any anything, right? So I mean, it was either they're fomoing into GameStop or AMC or Dogecoin or some of these other you know shit cryptocurrency kind of things. and they're seeing their money just shoot up like crazy, right? 10xing whatever. All these influence pump and dump, random schemes, left and right. Stock market is a little bit more regulated, uh, but not super regulated. I mean, to the point where it doesn't stop all these kind of pump and pump and dump schemes or whatever. But, you know, I, I think I, I kind of uh, outlined it a little bit earlier when it comes to these growth companies, right? Like we're, we're seeing a lot of layoffs. They're trying to cut down expenditures and it's going to be a lot of companies that are, uh, you know, trying to lower their CapEx expenditures, their bottom line, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're not going to be making as much revenue. And so that stock is, uh, you know, a lot of people like to value it, like price to earnings is a is, uh, very common, um, I guess, like Warren Buffett value investing kind of principle, where it's the price of the stock compared to how much they actually earn. So we saw during COVID, those price to earnings, like the joke was there's no price to earnings values too high. Right, you're seeing 80 to 100 to multiple hundreds worth of price to earnings value. Like some companies weren't even making money, but they were valued at multi billion dollar corporations. Well, I think we're going to get kind of back to that original, I guess, value investing principles where the stock market has been extremely overvalued for the past couple of years, even for for before that, too. But we're going to kind of see a reversion back to the mean. We've seen a lot of people just kind of FOMO in do growth investing, do a lot of different uh, of these strategies where they've just been killing the overall, I guess, quote unquote, value investing that Warren Buffett made his entire wealth on where he, you know, was getting crushed by people like, you know, like Dave Portnoy and some of these other guys who would just go on, you know, Twitter streams and whatnot and say stocks only go up. Well, you know, there's a reason why, you know, some people have like education and have, have been able to study and do a lot of these things towards it. Right. So, um, you know, I so I think like a lot of the valuations of stocks and companies are, are going to go down. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, like more people are kind of getting aware of the stock market, I guess, if that makes sense, where they're understanding like, hey, you know, if I put my money in a savings account or I put it in something else, it's not going to be good. But if I put it in the stock market, hey, I might lose a little bit today. But long-term, stocks always go up. That's what kind of—that's the the one positive, I guess. I saw that in, in COVID was people kind of uh, became more aware, I guess, of their financial standing and everything like that. And so, I think for the for overall this year, I think just like the stock market is just going to kind of go sideways. There's going to be some companies that are successful. There's going to be some that are that are doing very, very poorly. And those are the ones that probably just got super inflated over the past couple of years. But I think, you know, just generally speaking, if you're looking at some of the general indexes like the NASDAQ uh, or the S&P 500 or the Dow, those are going to be relatively flat throughout the entire year because we're just going to see some companies do sort of well, but not very many do outstanding. And we're going to see a lot of companies do, you know, sort of poorly, and some do just extremely poorly. Um, And so I think like just overall, companies in general are going to have maybe a quote-unquote earnings recession, where they're not going to be earning as much money. And so so in turn, the stock prices aren't going to be valued as high.
0: Gosh, dude. It's looking bad out there god everything yeah, I mean, you think I it's just do you think it's just the, the I guess the the fallout of, of covid still that we're kind of passing through us that we're like smelling out there like what do you, or is it just like uh, what the state of the world what, what do you what do you really what do you really can you pinpoint this anywhere it's just
1: some- yeah I, I think it's kind of a combination of things yeah. so I think you know there the global economy was kind of hurting a little bit in 2018 2019. But, you know, it was ripping and roaring for so long that a little bit of a slowdown, nobody really noticed it too much. Well, you know, COVID drastically accelerated that, right? So, I mean, you can't shut down the entire it's global Dumbest move
0: ever, all- dude. Dumbest move of all time,
1: right? Yeah, you can't, like- you just can't do that, right? I mean, and expect everything to be peaches and daisies, right? So, I mean, but then, you know, you on top of all that, you inject a shit ton of money just into the market And on the basis of really nothing, and uh, you delay this response, right? So it's kind of kicking the can down the road. And because they did that, and they didn't raise interest rates right away, they're kind of having to shock the system right now. And they're raising interest rates at a historic pace. And because of that, you know we're seeing like a lot of like, like multiple thousands of layoffs at some of these companies. And we're going to see, you know, a lot of people just having to get tighter with their their money, right? Because, like I said, like not only are you know is rent increasing, expenses increasing, like inflation increasing, you know, the price of net, like almost everything. Like if you turn if you leave your house, you're spending probably double the amount of what you used to spend just to leave your house, right? With gas and just food and everything else. Um, and so, you know, because of that. You know, people still gotta make make some money. So we're seeing, you know, inflation on goods and services and you know, minimum wage is a is a re- really common topic right now, right? Like a lot of people wanna raise that minimum wage to from seven twenty-five to fifteen dollars. Well, you know, what do you think the margin is on a you know on a one dollar big double at McDonald's? It's not very high, right? Man. So a lot of these big change chain companies, the reason why they're successful is because everybody knows a McDonald's, right? Obviously it's, it's shit food for you. And I don't recommend eating there at all, but you could go to a McDonald's. You can go to, uh, you know, they have these automated cashiers now, so they're, they're eliminating the cashier expense and, uh, you know, they could, I saw that they're starting to make McDonald's fully automated. So they don't have to pay a single person. Well, why are they doing that? Because the workers are getting too expensive. Right. So in order to, to make ends meet on the building that they have to pay for, the lights to keep on, to pay the cook, to pay the cashier, to pay all these people, they have to sell, you know, hundreds and hundreds of McDoubles or maybe even thousands throughout the day in order to to break even or even like make a little bit of profit. Well, take that to a lesser extent where you can't buy in bulk to the average mom and pop shops, right? So you think your local businesses or your business is just starting up right? Like, like in Texas, right? There's mighty fine burgers, right? Great, outstanding hamburgers, right? If you've been to, to Austin. So why is a mighty fine burger, probably three, four times the amount of, uh, you know, a McDonald's burger, not only is it a little bit thicker, but you know, that there's not as many locations, you know, you gotta, they, they probably pay their workers a little bit more than they pay at McDonald's. And they can't order the food necessarily as, as much as in bulk as a McDonald's can. And if they, you know, have food that goes bad or something like that, that's a little bit more detrimental to that business than it is to a McDonald's, right? That has, you know, millions of locations around the world. So, you know, that's where like we saw COVID kind of hit small businesses pretty hard. And, you know, I I know people are like, well, you know, small businesses, small business that, well, I mean, over 50% of the jobs in the United States are from small businesses, so it's not only the restaurant industry, it's a lot of these other small businesses that, you know, have other, I guess, uh, you know, niches. It's just the restaurant industry is kind of the most, the most, uh, I guess, visual to, to most people, right? You drive around, you have your favorite restaurant, your favorite mom and pop shop down the street. You know, during COVID, it got shut down. And yeah, now you'll never see it again. Um, right. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, I think, it, it, the back to your question, the combination of you know shutting down the global economy, printing a shit ton of money um, and not tightening interest rates a little bit earlier, and you know going through all these kind of things, it just was like the perfect cocktail for for a huge you know uh, you know recession. So the Fed essentially right now is trying to shock the system. And they're destroying, kind of, I guess, the the global offshore dollar market, which I've talked about with uh, you know Phil Gibson on Twitter quite a bit, um, and we kind of share the same opinion is that the Fed, you know, is is getting kind of sick of you know, I guess, this global market where everything's connected in some way, shape, or form, right? You're getting oil from Russia or some of these other countries, and then they kind of have control of you now based on you know the global dependence on everything. Well, I think you know one thing that COVID kind of showed is that. This global economy doesn't really work when you have, uh, when everybody's not necessarily cooperating. And, uh, you know, there's like a global shutdown like the coronavirus or or something like that. So I think there's going to be a movement towards maybe more of, I guess, uh, a nationalistic society where more countries are going to be more self sustained and everything like that. So I think that's going to be one positive that comes out of it. And the US is a little bit more primed for success than any other country just because one, you know, we have the global reserve currency. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I think like, I, I think unfortunately I don't think 2023 is going to be like that great of a year for you know any asset. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, I also think it's a great time for building businesses. I mean, you know, obviously Bitcoin, Twitter, and whatever is big on uh, bear markets are great for building and everything like that, which I do honestly think that that is a, you know, a great time for, for things like that. But, um, long-winded answer. I think, uh, you know, it's just kind of like the perfect cocktail that that's making for, uh, you know, a not, a not good situation globally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, it's depressing. It can be depressing if you think a lot, you know, you think a lot about it. I know this is what you do. Uh, you know, you spend a lot of your time looking at this stuff, so it's, it's good to get your insight on it. Cause a lot of, a lot of things that you're bringing up right now, I really am not You know, to be a hundred percent truthful here. I'm not really paying attention to and that's literally what it comes down to it's just informing informing the masses so bitcoin passed what 20k i guess a, a week ago we barely got over 20k and yeah. how closely do you follow bitcoin as far as like uh i mean, not an investment vehicle but like where do, where do you see it kind of headed this year do you are, you are you paying attention to that at all
1: yeah. So, I mean, I I think it is a little bit of a, you know, a bear market run up right now with Bitcoin. So I I think, you know, maybe we've hit the bottom. I'm not much in like, I, I guess, a price prediction kind of guy. Uh, I do follow the price, of course, because I think, you know, like like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think it's, you know, as much as we don't want to follow the price, especially in the bear market, right? I mean, it's so much fun to be on Twitter when it's running up, everybody's yeah. posting the memes and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, in the bear market, it's not as fun to, to, to follow the price because it's like, all right, we're all poor again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's important to, to follow for some of these businesses, especially for the miners, right? Because we're, we're seeing a lot of miners that... Um, had a lot of exposure to Bitcoin and uh, you know, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at things. I know that, you know, a lot of these companies, maybe they, they held a lot of the Bitcoin they were mining because maybe it was like for popularity on Twitter and other things like that. But, you know, I, I think uh, I think like back to your question, uh, a lot of uh, what, what I look at at the price, I I think, you know, it'll be maybe relatively stable. I think it'll go up a little bit. I don't think we're going to see a new all time high this year. Um, maybe we'll see a little bit more dips here or there, but I think, you know, Bitcoin's gonna going to be kind of steadily on the up. Um, and I think like towards the end of this year too, is like when we're going to kind of start to see the run up because I think, you know, overall the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates throughout the year. I think that they're going to start to slow it down here soon. We have a, we have a Fed meeting next week, which will be interesting to oh, see. Oh, do we? Yeah. So that they've what been typically happens.
0: Their, so What typically happens in one of these meetings, just so the audience knows.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the Fed meets, they discuss what they want to do with like the interest rate policy and all this other stuff. So what they look at are, you know, CPI, some of these other metrics, right? And they try to decide like, hey, are we going to raise interest rates? If we're going to raise interest rates, how much? So they've been continually raising by 75 basis points, which is like 0.75%. So it doesn't sound like a lot. But when you kind of continually do that over time, it it is, you know, they're, they're doing it at a historic pace, right? So There's a lot of debate going on in FinTwit right now on how much the Fed is going to raise in this next meeting, whether it's 50 basis points or 25. Um, The market right now has priced in 25, but if you listen to to Jerome Powell and kind of what he says, he's he's always been saying like I'm not going to stop till the jobs done. I'm not going to stop. You know, there's going to be more pain and all this and that. So we've seen a lot of you know maybe growth companies or startups lose a lot of jobs, but we haven't really seen like a lot, like an unemployment skyrocket just yet. It also is a lagging indicator. So we're not going to see, I guess, the true um, unemployment numbers for probably like a couple months down the road. But, you know, I, I'm under the, the impression that the market is just kind of, it being a little hopeful right now the market's going to you know they want the fed to pivot because once the there's any sign of pivot or slowdown, the stock market's going to shoot up and same with the price of bitcoin um and so because of that you know, I, I think that uh, and I, I truly think that the Fed doesn't really care about the stock market or anything like that. So I think Jerome Powell is going to keep raising and I think he's going to do it by 50 basis points, wow. which I could be yeah. wrong um, on the next one. But I think, you know, 50 basis points at the at the very least in the next one, maybe 25 to one after. And they so he's not continue. going
0: back down. He's never he's never pulling back.
1: He's only yeah, so he's I at this I think point for the rest of this year. He's not going to pull back. Um, the feds initial target rate was like 7%. And I think they're at like three, seven, five right now. So my theory is that they're going to kind of continue to raise interest rates through the end of the year and maybe pause towards the end of the year, like Q3, Q4 time. Um, and once they pause, that's when we'll kind of start to see the Bitcoin price run up a little bit more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. but then, uh, then 2024, uh, coincidentally around uh, election time, we'll probably see them start to pull back. And that's when uh, maybe we'll see some some things like Bitcoin and some stocks and, and housing start to rip and roar. And, uh, you know, will inflation be completely gone and fixed by that? No. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think the the Fed or, or anybody, I think, you know, the the secret's out now, right? The plebs know like, hey, you know, once they've raised these prices on, you know, certain goods and services, they're not going back down. Right. I mean, like, all right, you go to your oil change or whatever it was used to be a hundred bucks. Now it's 125 bucks. Well, just because everything like, you know, gas got cheaper or something else like that, oil to jiffy lube or whatever you go to is not lowering the price back to 120 back to a hundred dollars they're keeping it at 125 yeah it only right? increases <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean like a lot of these companies like whatever it is goods and services are still going to be up in elevated prices they just might not be raising quite as quick as they have over this past year or so which would be a good sign if people's like wages increase at that pace but I don't think that's really the case unfortunately. So, you know, uh long story short, I think Bitcoin's going to be, you know, relatively flat throughout this year. Maybe we'll see a run up, maybe we'll see, you know, 25k or so now here, but then we'll see a little drawback, but I think, you know, we're not going to get too much higher than 30 35k by the end of the year and 2024 20, will probably be the year that we see uh, it start to rip and roar. Yeah,
0: I, 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 it's interesting that you said that. How, because most people don't realize that, right? When they when they increase, they tighten. When the Fed tightens or increases, it, everything goes up in price, right? You have to adjust for you know the the expenses, the infrastructure, the the the, the cost of 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 your uh, of your workers, all that kind of stuff, right? It all increases, and then you you adjust the prices to fit that model. And then when you, when, like you said, when the, the money comes back into the system, like there's no going back, <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not going to go back. It's going to stay the same. So when people are complaining about like, Oh, eggs are like eight or $9. Well, it's like, we'll get used to it. <laughs> like This is, this, this is the time that we're in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, all right, well, maybe it's like eight or $9 and then we'll see it come back to six, $7. It's like, Oh, thank God, you know, eggs are six, $7. Not realizing that like you know, last year there were three to $4, you know, it's going to be something like that. Like if we see like just a little pullback, it, it's not going to be anything dramatic, but because, you know, the prices were so elevated, you're going to be like, oh, thank God, you know, prices of eggs have dropped a dollar or two, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate that kind of how it is, but you know, you're already seeing it with, with, uh, you know, the way, I mean, not to get political or anything, but the way that, you know, the president and the president's spokesperson's talking about gas, Right. So
0: yeah. How do they, what are I mean, they saying? I'm not paying attention to that. What are they saying?
1: Yeah. So like gas prices, like four years ago are, were like around $2 or something, yeah. $2, $2.50. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're like just under $4 now per gallon, um, in certain areas, maybe three fifty depending on where you're at. So now, um, you know, they're talking about how gas prices have lowered in the past <laughs> year, like I don't know eighty percent or you know not not eighty percent, but you know a big percentage or they're lowering by a dollar, which is giving Americans you know a couple hundred dollars per month, and they're throwing out these numbers, like, hey, you know the average American is saving a hundred dollars a month now on their oil and or on their fuel prices because their gas prices went from four fifty to four dollars. Well, it's like you know gas was like two fifty like two years ago, like what are we right. what are we even talking about here? you know but they're trying to change that narrative where it's like hey you know we're doing the best we can we're helping you out here and we're we're lowering the gas prices from 450 to $4 and then they're trying to point the fingers at you know these gas station companies saying that the gas station companies are you know de- deploying or are, uh, you know gouging the prices and all these kind of things when in reality it's you know, inflation and there's obviously a lot more back ends that go into the oil and gas industry, but you know, that's just kind of a back of the napkin kind of explanation there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's,
0: it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I, I I think it's going to be, I honestly think it's going to be a big banner year for, for mining just in general. I think you're, we're going to see a lot of big companies like Intel and some of these bigger like manufacturers come in and we're going to see a lot of that money come into the system. I think that's going to be really cool. I think Lightning's just going to keep taking off the way it is. I think Nostra is going to start onboarding a lot more lightning devs and lightning clubs and just like everybody out there. I think we're going to see a lot of that, but what's interesting to me is just the, the amount of information that you provide man on a weekly basis, green candle, green candle investments. God.
1: Thanks man. I appreciate it. But I mean, Hey, on, on the bright side, I agree with you there with, with mining. Right. So I think a lot of companies are going to see like, Hey, you know, with all this inflation, I need to figure out how to use excess energy, right? Or Maybe I heat an office building or I do something like that. Well, like paying for heating this office building is way more expensive than, you know, I'd like it to be. Well, why don't we heat this office building with Bitcoin miners? Or, you know, we have some of this excess energy or we have, you know, maybe a, I don't know, a running creek on our office building land or something like that. So why don't we mine Bitcoin on there? I think there's going to be a lot of companies looking for Ways to get a little bit extra money, and I think mining is going to be a big way for that. I think there's going to be a lot of developments in the uh, the home mining space, where it's like, yeah, using the excess heat for something, whether it's like a uh, you know a greenhouse or aquaponics or something like that. So, you know, I, I hear guys like hashing the heating. So, shout out to him on Twitter. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys who are using the heat from the miners and developing you know unique ways to kind of utilize that. And, you know, make money on it. Right. And so I think in the mining space, it's going to be really interesting seeing a lot of companies either you know capturing that excess energy or utilizing the heat put off by a lot of these uh, Bitcoin miners because they're like, hey, we're, we're going to pay for this anyway, or we're losing energy on this. So the price doesn't necessarily matter as much because you know, a lot of these miners that strictly depend on the price of Bitcoin, we're seeing it. It's a tough model. It's a tough business to be just strictly a Bitcoin miner. So I think we're going to see a lot of innovation there. And then uh, the thing that jacks me up a bunch is, you know, a lot of, a lot about, uh, you know, lightning, like you said, right? I mean, we're seeing a lot of small businesses hurt. Well, where's an easy way to kind of uh, eliminate some of that expenses, eliminate that 3% expense, from Visa, Mastercard, and all these, uh, you know, kind of general um, uh, finance legacy financial systems. Once we do that, hey, you know, you eliminate that, you save three percent of your business by just going onto Lightning. And what does that do? It gives you free marketing. Whether you use something like Oshi or one of these other companies, uh, Ibex Pay, some of these other things that are making it a lot easier for you to utilize Bitcoin. And uh, you know, then instead of that business bleeding significantly, it. You know, it stops it just for a little bit, right? I mean, of course they're gonna need a little bit more help than that. So obviously go help your small small businesses where you can and and try to work on them with Bitcoin because I think, you know, lightning is is a huge innovation for, you know, an extremely, extremely inflationary time that we're in right now. Yeah,
0: definitely. The the SATS back thing is just crucial at this point. And then just a lot of just like the the webhooks and the APIs that are interconnected with uh with streaming SATS now at this point. It's um the, the opportunity for different types of businesses and microservices are there right now. And it's just going to keep, um, it's just going to keep growing at an alarming rate. Right? We've already seen, you know, some bigger companies kind of look at the electricity that could be um, ran through the, the lightning network. I know it sounds nuts, but I mean, there's, there's, there's room there for things like that. I, I think, um, we're, we're, I think it was maybe like two years ago, there, were, there was some guy that I met that was talking about like river turbines to like you know, do this hashing power or whatever. And then now it's like Africa is doing it right. Like it's, it's kind of cool. Like you're seeing a lot of the cutting edge stuff that was being talked about a year and a half ago, two years ago to now actually being deployed out into the, to the masses or to a small little community. And I think right now what we're seeing with the microservices connections and like how lightning and Nostra are all going to be interconnected and seeing people re rethink of like, what this web five web three narrative is going to be. And we're realizing that it's, it's moving in just a totally different direction, but lightning's at the, at the, at the, at the heart of it. So.
1: Percent. Oh, um, yeah. We haven't seen anything like this before. Right. I mean, you know, we, we see small businesses kind of had the quote unquote innovation with PayPal, where it was like PayPal was taking three, four 5% to do online businesses. But well, now we have like Venmo and other things where it's like, hey, like, you know, it's going to take one to three business days or you're going to have to pay a fee. Well, hey, you can now get that instantly, cover your expenses and do all of that, you know, for little to no fee um, through lightning. And, uh, and I mean, I think that's just huge. Right. And, you know, we've got like yeah, a big issue with credit card fraud and other things like that uh, where, you know, essentially the whole world is just run on credit and debt right now. Well, the, you know, lightning helps you, uh, it gives you the ability to, you know, finalize that transaction and do it seemingly interest instantly. And, uh, final you know, settlement baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: final settlement. It's, it's awesome. I, it's one of those things I love working inside the lab seeing all those new stuff that these guys are coming up with. Like, it's just, it's just insane. Like I, I just would never have thought of it or even, even remotely even question that could be a possibility. We have a guy inside the lab right now trying to build a, a new operating system around around Bitcoin, which just does sounds crazy. Like <laughs> it just sounds insane. But when you but when you like he starts talking about it, it's like oh wait maybe. But it's like you, people need a place to experiment on these like bigger cutting edge ideas. Uh, I'm very blessed in that respect. Yeah. So where where can people find you, Brandon? Like let us know what uh, what the plebs can do to, to support Green Candle Investments.
1: State of Bitcoin. Uh, that's anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, I, pr- I prefer to plug the fountain, but uh, yeah, use it on the fountain app. Obviously, you don't have to stream your stats or anything if you find value in it, whatnot. Uh, but yeah, most act- active on Twitter at Green Candle IT. Um, and then, yeah, I have the Macro Insights Pod where it gives a little bit more of, uh, I guess, just like macro view. We, I try to avoid talking about Bitcoin or crypto or anything like that on that show. Um, and then I have, yeah, like I said, State of Bitcoin. And then I write a newsletter. Um, I'm not as active on the newsletter as I was in the past year. I try to put out like one or two a week. That's pretty active. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty active. Uh, I mean, I was pretty consistent for a while where I put, you know, two out a week every week. But, you know, definitely get two podcasts, macro insights every Monday, uh, State of Bitcoin's live stream Thursday, and then audio is put out Friday. So uh, this week I got an NFL player. His name is Vince Beagle. He's coming on. He's nice. uh a linebacker who was tweeting out about, uh, some Bitcoin meetups, uh, that he wants to meet during the bear market. So I tweeted at him and getting him on. I'm seeing the status of a lot of these NFL players who got in, right? Like when they were foamoring in, taking a shit ton of their salary in uh, in Bitcoin. So I'm seeing, uh, what the vibe is still, um, with, uh, in the NFL about, uh, about Bitcoin. So, uh, it should be an interesting conversation. So be sure to check that one out and, uh, yeah man I'm I'm pretty active open everywhere so uh, I'll be traveling to a bunch of conferences too so hopefully we meet in person Yeah soon. dude
0: Yeah yeah for sure I I can't wait to hang out with you in person we have mutual friends out there in the space so Yeah oh, man thanks for coming on the show I I can't wait cuz I think I think eventually I mean we can do this on a quarterly basis it'd be cool to get a little macro talking and for the plebs, yeah, you know? I'm,
1: I'm always down, <laughs> dude. I'm always down. I, try. I, love, I love to, you know, obviously, I, I guess I might uh, like to hear my own voice way, way too much, as much as I do a lot of these talking things. But uh, I love to have conversations with fellow plebs and, uh, you know, just, just talk about this stuff. Because I think, you know, you, what you're doing is great. And I think, you know, the macro perspective, as much as, you know, we maybe don't want to talk about it too much because there's a lot of cool things being developed, it's all intertwined at the end of the day. So, um, I, th- I think it's important to be aware of it for sure.
0: Absolutely. Sunday nights that you want to like velvet cake. Sweet can bargain, F-Price mistakes. She will go down with her ship, like a good captain. You're sitting on the dock waiting
1: for an audience You would drive all over three lanes, you sit tight, shotgun Windshield wipers waving for an audience of one You came out from the country wearing mama's clothes You were born in the city, With daddy's down